All right, uh, welcome to another episode of uh, We Have a Microphone, and uh, as always, we have a microphone. Yes. Uh, I'm Hampton. I'm Michael. And we're joined today by our first guest, who we asked last night to come here, <laughs> uh, Orion Montoya. Yes. Montoya? Orion Montoya. Montoya, all right. Um, Orion is a computational linguistics expert. Um, I'm... An amateur to computational linguistics. I happen oh. to. I have a specialty in, in computational lexicography, oh. or in computational aspects of lexicography. Um, but all right, well, you have to tell us what the difference that is. So, well, so there's some debate about whether lexicography is linguistics, mm-hmm. because it's. I mean, it's linguist. It's certainly linguistic documentation, but it's um, it's approaching. It's, it's it's such a narrowly sort of constrained thing and often I mean over the different over the centuries that's been going on it has not always had any theoretical linguistic grounding hmm. so computational so lexography writing dictionaries linguistics is the more broad term for all language the science of all science of, of yeah. language yeah um all right, well, before we're, we're going to be yeah. talking about that, Michael is going to get on making us a cocktail, and then he'll tell us. I don't know if anybody actually guessed what the cocktail was. Uh. Um, yeah, we put that out on Twitter with a, a photo of the uh, the bar as it's set up. Oh, I see. Was... Yeah. Okay, so no no hints yet? No. Okay. No, Michael is going to explain well, it's it. topical. It is topical. Um, so it's just a dictionary. We're going to eat a dictionary. Uh yeah, so uh, Orion and I originally started talking because uh, uh, Michael and I have been working on a project called WordSet, and uh, <clears throat> it was an idea that we or that I had like five, six years ago before I started my last company, and then uh, kind of put on the shelf uh, because uh, actually, turns out it was the company that Orion co-founded was kind of the reason why we shelved it because they were going to kind of take a, a try at it. That's WordNick. Um, where you were the founder? Yes. Like six, five, six years ago. We we incorporated on February 29th, two thousand eight. <laughs> well, at least you're not a detail person, so that's good. It, well, it was, yeah, it was a leap day, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, 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 right. Okay. Um. So they've they've had two birthdays now. No, one. Yeah. You know. Right. Next, the second birthdays will be next year, and and then there'll be a. See, that fits perfectly. perfectly. A, a company nerdy enough to <laughs> have incorporated on a leap day so that there's always this conversation piece. Um, so maybe you want to talk about, like, what, what were you doing before WordNick? Um, how did you get into this crazy business? I Before WordNick, um, the three of us who started WordNick, Aaron McKean, Grant Barrett, and I... We're working together at Oxford University Press. Like in Oxford or in the um, US? In New York. They have a, they have a nice building on um, at 34th and Madison in, in New York uh, initially. And then they, did, an, they did, a, did a reorganization because they're a 21st century multinational. And, uh, and I, so I ended up moving to Oxford. Um, cool. Yeah. I went to Oxford. Okay. So um, whereabouts? Um, did, you, uh, did you live in Jericho or...? I no, I lived in uh, in East Oxford, sort of okay. not far from that Tesco by the what the Burlington is that what that mm-hmm. yeah, 
Um, no matter where you live in the UK, you live somewhere near the Tesco. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. You can't avoid it. Um, yeah, we used to live in. Well, I lived in Cambridge when Mike was going there, so That's, that was my. Uh, so then, so you were here. Oh, oh, Oxford OED Press. O U P. O U P. Oxford University Press. So like, so they do like they obviously do the OED. Yeah. Right. And they also do like what random like Sophic Prince of Sophocles and like Latin textbooks and shit. I, I think. I, I really wanted to find where the Oxford Classical Text people are because I never. Oh, you never. Yeah. I think my when I was in in high school, my my Latin text was the Oxford Press uh, oh, really? Latin book. Mm. Oh yeah, that's a pretty good book. Uh, all of those beautiful yeah because the because the great thing about the Oxford Classical Text is that they. Instead of saying Oxford on the spine, they say Oxoni E. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know where those. Anyway, yeah. So there's. I mean, they do. Yeah, it's an, it's a it's a made. You know, it's one of the biggest academic publishers. Um, and they foolishly, 150 years ago, took over the the New English Dictionary from Macmillan once Macmillan realized it was never going to turn a profit. And. Huh. Um, how many actual dictionary publishers are there? Oh, like English language. Sorry, I mean I guess because oh. clearly yeah. you can go for like um, every country is gonna have. Uh, there's today. I mean, so they you know they they keep shutting down. So the what most, sort of figure like? Yeah. Oh, and I assume merging a lot. Like, yeah. So so uh, Wiley was publishing West Webster's New World, which is the the official dictionary of the AP, and I think also the New York Times. Um, but they got out of that business and that was acquired by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt who also publishes the American Heritage Dictionary um, and so they're maintaining both of those titles sort of in parallel now um, Merriam-Webster in Springfield, Massachusetts um, is, has been in the same building for a hundred years and, um, and it's awesome um, and it's full of, full of their paper files and, their, and every, you know, every edition of every dictionary they've ever published and sure. notes and things um, well, because uh, it's, I mean, I remember reading a story about one of the early English dictionaries, I can't remember which one, but where it was, they had people mail in clippings from books yeah. with the example sentences and used filing cards, just a giant collection of filing cards. That's probably the OEG. Yeah, I think, I think it was. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, <laughs> what's funny, it reminds me, like, obviously, you know, today uh, in education... Um, dictionaries are kind of the if it's not in there it's not a word kind of thing right you know like you when your AP exam if you use a word that's not in that dictionary <laughs> you just made up a word um, where you know it, it's kind of a curated list mm -hmm. where you know it's funny the OED being a giant I mean it's I, the physical copies the OED are like you could so you could smash a child <laughs> with arm it. Arm like yeah it'd be really hard to carry um, yeah, and it's kind of, it started as a completist tone. Like, the idea was, if a word has been used in English, it is a word. Mm -hmm. Like, because then nobody had ever documented that before. Um, so it's definitely different. It's interesting to me that, like, the the kind of prototypical first English dictionary was completist. And no matter how you spelled a word, it was fine. Like, they cataloged every possible spelling yeah. slash misspelling of a word. Well, so that's, I mean, the, spe the spelling thing is interesting because because part of what part of what the OED covers is, you know, it's, I mean, it's a historical dictionary. It's a New English Dictionary on Historical Principles. And so 
tracking the changes in English spelling over over the centuries from yeah. from Old English through through modern English. I mean, the, the OED doesn't exa- doesn't explicitly doesn't cover Old English except a little bit in the spelling variation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's overstated. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't but, think he's going to call you. But out. so it's so it's. I mean, so it's. I would say they they're more about variant spellings than about misspellings because spelling wasn't standardized until right right. But there was yeah. there was was no misspelling in a way. Yeah. If it was well, vaguely phonetic. I mean, there weren't typos back then, right? This wasn't like, I smashed my keyboard wrong. Like, if how you were taught to spell a word, mm. it would be vaguely in some sort of phonetic model, usually, because you probably didn't just put an X in the middle of your sentence for no, right. or yeah. word for no good reason. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe an extra E here, like, throw in a Y instead of an E, something like that, something mm. that's kind of, you know, you can drop in. But it's, it, it's weird to me that, like, it's funny, if you got in that first set of writing something, just writing it down, with your own version of, of a phonetic spelling, mm-hmm. well, you're in forever. It was not a misspelling. After that, you're screwed, though. <laughs> um, all right, so Michael has come with our cocktails. Michael, why don't you that tell us about that's them? That's true. So it is called The Last Word, probably, oh, because last we're talking word. about words today. <laughs> so uh, this is equal parts, well, a little bit more gin than the rest, but New Amsterdam gin, which is a really nice, kind of almost flavorless gin, but it's nice to pair with things. Um, Luxardo liqueur, um, which is a sweet, um, almost like syrupy thing. Chartreuse skin, right? Yeah, I think they it's use like the it. Still yeah. cherry skin. Yeah, um, chartreuse. So the green chartreuse, the herbal, and then a bit of lime juice. Cheers. 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 Um, um, I was gonna look up. I really like your drink strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I find the completist versus, um, what's the opposite of completist? I guess um, highly curated uh, argument pretty interesting. I can't remember because, the term is on Wikipedia, because right. for years there were the two <laughs> camps that fought yeah. for years and, and years so on Wikipedia. We went to a Wikipedia conference a few years back, and that was the big argument that everyone was having. It's, do you want everything in the world in Wikipedia, or do you want... You know to get rid of people who only publish one book or something like that right. and i mean is there a similar um kind of disagreement in that well historically i mean you know the first tweet that, that hampton said about this was that we'd be talking about digital dictionaries right but historically you know the the limitation the, the physical and practical limitations of print and print economics mm. was enough to to make those questions kind of Right. Kind of move because yeah, yeah, complete because exhaustive just was never possible before. But the OED you know, attempted it. The OED did have. I mean, I mean, the there's policy, so many words in there. The policy now it, it wasn't as completely clearly def, completely defined initially, but it's now that a word should be used in multiple sources over five years to be huh. eligible okay. consideration. Um, and I think I mean that's, that's what it was. Yeah, so. yeah. They probably haven't changed because the point of a hundred a two hundred year long project is to yeah. <laughs> become more standardized, just like English spelling. Um, but so so even they had a cutoff, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's both a kind of a frequency and a just and a spread cutoff. I mean, a, a word you know, in terms of just prioritizing the amount of work that a team of people can do, you have to sort of balance a word that only you know if it's a specialized term that only occurs in academic journals um 
uh, one of the word of the year candidates this year at the American Dialect Society was um, Plastiglomerate for Plastiglomerate. this fascinating new kind of, peru- of uh, it's, a, it's a geological term for a conglomerate that includes plastic plastic waste. Oh. <laughs> so this is this is being found in, I guess, soil and stuff. Or, or, or like when people are... Yeah, I mean, does it, does it involve... I don't, I don't know how conglomerates That's... Yeah, yeah. I think... Wow. That's pretty interesting. Um, and so... That's an interesting... You know, so that's an interesting word that they could have just said confined to geology. Mm. It didn't... It didn't really take root very strongly in the voting for the, the word of mm. the year, but it was um, just... You know, but it's a kind of like it, as as the whole issue is with with right. plastic with all the, all the kinds of pollution become more at the forefront. Like it, in another five billion years, when when the next civilization comes <laughs> and investigates our remains, they'll see this right. this plastic agglomerate, <laughs> and it'll be this you know not possibly this novel kind of geological hmm. um, feature. It's apparently considered kind of a type of stone. Oh. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's. Done through compression. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, I mean, you know, theoretically, if the potential limitations on a dictionary were physical, uh, mm. with digital dictionaries, um, people can be more completist. Yeah. To the, within the limits of human effort and. <laughs> and <laughs> so, your one of your co-founders, Aaron McKean, 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 she did a TED talk. And she kind of talks about the number of words out there and how, you know, computers kind of, yeah, like you were saying, kind of remove that limitation. Mm. But um, is that useful then? You know, I think that's, you know, it, it's really tough because it's like, is this, uh, I mean, like, slang starts to come in? I was going to say, do you end up with like, Urban Dictionary if you go for completist? Urban Dictionary is a priceless resource. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's also, I find, kind of, it's it's become less useful in a lot of cases for me i think mm. early on when i used it i found it very useful and i'd find out what i'm sure some obscene term was <laughs> but now i find myself going there and having to maybe scroll through a few or it's not what i'm actually looking for or um yeah so i found that well there's a lot of you know inside jokes with friends right. kind mm-hmm. of thing and that's where it almost becomes a form of graffiti i mm. feel like yeah. to yeah. like which is fine. I mean, it's great that it exists somewhere and that it has. True. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I think you know, for us, there's such a jump between traditional dictionaries and something like you know, Urban Dictionary, uh, you know, which says, "Hey, there's no proof of usage required at all. Mm-hmm. We have zero. Like, I don't like a celebrity doesn't need to tweet it. You know, it could be, <laughs> it could be Michaeling is to make it, you know, right. a cocktail, and now I've invented the meaning and yeah. it's there." Mm-hmm. So, I, if, yeah. if we looked, I'm sure we'll find other, you know, like these weird, like, yeah, just very interpersonal mm. definitions for things. Yeah, um, which brings up, like, an interesting, like, how much, how, how big a percentage of a population do you need for a word before it becomes something in a dictionary? Do lexographers have an answer for this? Um, I, this is kind of a philosophy of language question. In some yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, because we, we are, we're probably creating ad hoc meanings hmm. in this conversation now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and if, and we can pick those up again, and it's possible even if, if, you know, that someone who listens to this could also pick that up and, and continue mm-hmm. this further conversation. But we've, but, you know, like every time you instantiate new expressions of language, you're, you're creating new meanings, whether you give them words like Michaeling or not, like it's, 
you know that these like threads of constructing meaning as a, as a group hmm. yeah. sometimes get labels attached to them and sometimes they just get references to the topic attached to them but yeah uh, i did look up michael on urban dictionary i don't uh, think it's good if i remember well i'd like to i'd like to quote from one of them. <laughs> oh dear um a handsome and intelligent man okay. michael is very grounded and knows what he wants michael has the ideal person in mind and won't fall for somebody fake really i don't know i, I don't know if i have i don't think i have much of those qualities ambition and goals to take over the world is what he dreams up uh, I don't think that's so weird. Right. Very odd, odd, very odd phrase. <laughs> yeah. so well, we need to add in the cocktail making one, and yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, so this is you know, so like you kind of mentioned, we're working on a collaborative dictionary. Um, mm-hmm. Then kind of, uh, <clears throat> it it's a project that we're mostly doing because nobody else is. Mm-hmm. Like, I I find a lot of times that the right thing to kind of work on is just when you're kind of looking at something and you're like why doesn't this exist mm-hmm. this is really annoying that this just doesn't exist we need to make it exist like and that's one of the cool parts about working in technology is that you kind of ha- have this power within yourself to just kind yeah. of create things mm-hmm. um like a novelist is like you know there's no books about disney world and murder like <laughs> i am going to make this exist right mm-hmm. That was just the first book that came to mind, by the yeah. way. Um, and Cory Doctorow wrote Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom, right. mm-hmm. and he made this book come into being. Uh, and so with technology, you know, we can do that with tools. Um, Michael and I are not specifically into linguistics. As a matter of fact, I think I, I, I failed a lot, uh, or sorry, at grammar, especially in, in elementary school. I still get a panic attack, uh, either getting picked from, like, we used to do, like, algebra teams where like you do like you know split the class in teams uh i hated those and then i hated uh, diagramming words on a senate uh, on the board which oh, yeah. yeah which is only a thing apparently done in america in yeah. england they just don't do I, this i, no I have very little formal language in terms of english language when i started studying say say french or a little bit in spanish i would i came across all the names for all the participles and mm-hmm. whatever um, but in my English, uh, you know, um, school life, uh, I didn't really, it wasn't like name the parts of the sentence and things like that. It was a lot more fluid and I guess, um, yeah. I, I only, the, my first exposure to diagramming sentences was in Latin class. Um, mm, yeah. And then actually, and then at some point I had a teacher who sort of dabbled in it for, for a semester or something and her her method of diagramming sentences was not completely compatible with the method I learned in Latin class. And so it was kind of, you know, <laughs> like even, even this interest, you know, even this, even this thing has just these varieties that are, mm. that are sort of weird. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should talk about Wiktionary. Well, I know. I'm not sure. Oh yeah. Go. Well, so, so you said that you don't, that you're not into language, but you, I mean, you made it your first dictionary app you made, eight years ago or something yeah yeah so i made a yeah i mean for the like i yeah I, I launched a dictionary years ago but uh i mean i yeah I, I think like 30 million users 50 million users some crazy number like that um stupid um well i mean that does that does include re-downloads on new devices so okay. I'll, I'll take okay. my repeat yeah. customers hmm. um 
Yeah, you know, I, I did that because I didn't have a Kindle back then, and I was reading a lot of books and laying in bed and wanting to look up what a word meant, and then uh, all the dictionaries back then on iPhone, it was, it was, uh, a, uh, it was a, both iPhone and a WebOS mm -hmm. app, or Palm OS, or whatever it was called back then. Um, yeah, and so I just wanted to have something for myself to be able to look stuff up. And so it was just scratching my own itch. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was built with WordNet, which is this uh, Princeton project from, I think it was started in like 2003 and then canceled it around 2007, um, something like that. And uh, I could be off by, yeah. give or take, <laughs> give or take three years, either side I mean, of there's, I've, I've, there's still people who are, you know, it's not, it's not abandonware. It's still, you know. So if I remember correctly, they've, they said they're not doing any more releases. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it is, I think they have a note on their site. Um, but yeah, it was basically a Princeton project where they were, yeah, due to funding, we are no longer able. Oh, okay. To, yeah. So I, there might be lost? a couple people, well, but not. As, not. as, as, as Fry and Laurie say, there's chess and then there's the game of chess. <laughs> and or then there's chess and there's a game of chess it, yeah you know there's it's because WordNet as a WordNet as a broader concept I mean there are people still make you know, the ongoing projects in so many different yeah. languages of mm -hmm. porting Word, WordNet's conceptual hierarchy to every other language right so WordNet is much more than a traditional lexicographical dictionary lexicographical lexicographical it has a good rhythm lexicographical dictionary it is kind of like a map of meanings and the relationships between words so um, I mean you can maybe what are some of the words it, it's not just it, there's like synonyms are one of the many types there's a thing that is a part of another thing Maronym. Maronym, there we go. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean it's, you know, so if, if you put things in a tree, you have yeah. to express their, their sort of parent-child relationships. Hmm. And, you know, so a dog is, is a member of the set of mammals, and a puppy is, is a member of the set of dogs. And, hmm. and so, you know, so mammal is a hypernym for dog, and puppy is a, is a hyponym of dog. Mm -hmm. and, and then you have the, the one of the... One of the things about WordNet that is wonderful and challenging and under-confronted by people who are working with WordNet data is once you get into the leaf of this tree, once you get into a synset that's just dog, puppy, dachshund, German shepherd, whatever, all the entries on, this, on the same level are treated as if they are identical for most mm -hmm. for any kind of computing purposes. Um, and so... One of the things that I think limits WordNet in the long term is is that it treats synonymy as exact. That, it, that there are exact synonyms um, at, a, at a certain level in the WordNet tree and that's, that runs against every understanding of meaning that we have in... in like, like, like the, so, uh, well, so I flattened WordNet a bit for my original mm -hmm. dictionary. Mm -hmm. And the way I, flat, I it was uh, meant to be on the iPhone and it was meant to be installable uh, mm -hmm. through the initial download, which back then I think was 10 megabytes was the limit. Um, okay. yeah. So I, you know, my goal merciless. was to, yeah, I was mercilessly <laughs> uh, 
flattening as much as I could. Yeah. Actually, the very, very first version on iPhone, the the uh, you said you had the Palm version, mm -hmm. which that was only over the air. It didn't actually uh, store anything on the phone. Yeah, right. But the iPhone version, I did. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I actually had to build the index. It's like a SQLite database, mm -hmm. and I had to build the indexes after it got on your phone in the first version. So there was like, when you first launched oh, it, nice. there was like a loading screen, <laughs> yeah. and it was like, I think I had trivia or something. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, I, I wrote like trivia questions to show up to not annoy people. Yeah. Oh. But it was because I couldn't ship the database with the indexes yeah. built. It was too big. Uh, so then I had to do them afterwards mm -hmm. uh, in order to make it type. And I also wanted to, as you type, it searches and does really good sounds-alike searching. So doing all sorts of like, mm -hmm. you mistyped a word and uh, it'll, it'll find the right word for you. Um, so that was that was an engineering challenge. But what I did basically is that uh, I simplified it that uh, there was a, a list of meanings and then a list of words and they were a mini-to-mini -mini relationship. Yeah. So just with, it's throwing out a lot of the more unique uh, data, in, uh, which means that one definition for a word might be shared by others, which is what I think you're kind of talking about. So yeah, this, but that's, this, that's structural and written. There's no way you, you, couldn't, right. have, you couldn't have made your scheme. If, if you want to say that, <laughs> that, that a cup and a mug are both have the meaning something that you can put your drink in, mm -hmm. um, the definition <laughs> loses. You can't then say, and often made of ceramics. Because that only applies to one of them. So when you're sharing meanings between similar items, mm -hmm. uh, you basically kind of lose a lot of so, the... So would you say there are any true synonyms? Furs and gorse. Oh, you already had that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, which... Uh, it's some kind of it's it's like it's a plant it's you know it's like it's it's exactly it has exactly the same denotatum. There's no like yeah, I don't yeah. think there's even any a geographical difference in its use it's just these two names for exactly the yeah. same plant yeah furs f-u-r-z-e and gorse g-o-r-s -E. i've heard of gorse um that's really, <laughs> well you've yeah, also heard of furs then well yeah that's true <laughs> um no i find uh, yeah i guess i found that interesting from you know with stripping out meaning and like you said every every word use even during this conversation is is acquiring mm. a subtle difference in mm. meaning just by how we're using it so you obviously have a threshold for how similar the two words have to be before you say, ah, oh, okay, these two are synonyms in the dictionary um, context. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I mean, it, well, the systematic treatment of synonymy is, has room for growth. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, it, and it's, and digital and digital forms finally give give a chance to hmm. to really express that in really interesting structured ways, but then you have the I'm, I'm pointing at Hampton as I say on, yeah. the, on the ground you have to deal with the realities of of what your schema can express, what your humans can express for you in the data, and what you can what you can pull from whatever kind of usage evidence you're you're using. Mm -hmm. So, well, so I mean, I would say so for words that one of the radical decisions that we've made, because <laughs> uh, I think it is radical is is to go for super simplification. Mm. So like, you know, computational lexicography. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right, I got it. Like, it's really, I mean, you know, just the talking about WordNet, you know, a popular project trying to build a, a, a meanings and between words and stuff, sorry. Like, uh, uh, it gets very, very complicated very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, uh, 
there's something really obvious missing, which is just a dictionary <laughs> um, that's collaborative. I mean, I feel like that's the thing that we've, I mean, and, and obviously, yeah, there's a Wiktionary, which have you ever, like, worked on Wiktionary? Have you ever actually... No, I've consulted Wiktionary. Um, I've, I'm not even sure if I've ever actually, I've, you know, I do, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an occasional editor of Wikipedia, but I don't think I've ever hmm. actually edited something on Wiktionary. I, I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just figured that somebody who was into this stuff. Like... It's, so, yeah, I, I don't, it's, I feel, you know, the fundamentals of, of what Wiktionary is doing are important and yet they're they're off they're off track of, of how I think things should be done enough that it's that it's hmm. it's like if I if I invest any energy in this modality it's just going it's going to like make us make a kind of meaningless improvement in something that that I think is hmm. you know, isn't isn't pointed in exactly the right direction which is not to say that it's not great and it's an important resource and it's and I'm glad that it exists but it but I, you know, I think we were talking Wait, before we started. It'd be really there. nice. I'll, I'm willing to shit on them. <laughs> <laughs> I there's it's it's okay. It's okay. Amateur, not amateur. I mean, like casual lexicography <clears throat> is. I think the casual the casual engagement with any kind of lexical or semantic resource is hard because people come to that task with so many naive ideas about how meaning works about how how meaning can be about how meaning can be conveyed to another person mm-hmm. and yeah. and and so you know the a problem that it almost that's it's actually controversial in some ways in in making dictionaries is the expression of meaning in ways that are not culturally biased because there's because mm-hmm. because language is an expression of culture everything mm-hmm. is you know, there's so many layers upon layers of context that make that make meaning transmissible among native speakers, and then when you're trying to convey that to a non-native speaker, which can be a speaker of another language or a computer, which mm-hmm. does neither of which will have the same cultural context as you, mm-hmm. there are so many pitfalls and so many so many blind spots that you don't know you have because it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. Because that's your mm-hmm. your conception of the world is is framed by the language you've always used, and it's really hard. At, on the ground when you're editing an unstructured <laughs> in you know well, that's, text field yeah so I mean, that's so a big feature of so wiktionary right. which I've, I've actually been surprised how few people even know it exists hmm. um i because I, I, I mentioned our project a couple of people and they've not gone oh what about wiktionary they've gone what about urban dictionary <laughs> um it's really funny to me that that yeah. that's clearly that seems to be a more popular that's interesting. yeah or what, what about dictionary.com um hmm. you know which fair enough uh, they're the, the big boys. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so you, the thing with Wiktionary is that it's basically, you know, uh, the concept of a wiki was originally... Come, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Word I've had something. Yeah, Word oh, Cunningham. There you Actually, go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Word Cunningham. Uh, <clears throat> so, work, yeah, so it, it was kind of worked for collaborative editing of documents. It was kind of some of the original ideas. And then, you know, like, oh, this would work really great for a... Uh, encyclopedia was the insight that Jimmy Wales had, and, and that other asshole guy. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's just, um, yeah. so uh, all my Wikimedia Foundation friends are all like, <laughs> cracking up. Um, 
Yeah, so because it, it applies very naturally, it's a it's a document editing method, mm-hmm. and encyclopedias are their nature kind of an article on a subject. So you know this idea of kind of free form editing, it makes sense. It's primarily primarily like an article in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they the second project to launch was to take the same software that runs Wikipedia uh, and kind of apply it to a dictionary. Um, they've the the content is fairly okay good mm-hmm. i mean it's not i wouldn't say my main critiques are not that the it's not useful or doesn't have good information in it. Mm-hmm. uh the it's also pretty well cross-referenced between languages so Which synonyms between languages yeah. Yeah. Uh, are pretty clear there uh, though you do fall into a lot of the same problems as the the mug and cup kind of mm-hmm. staying with meanings mm-hmm. because a lot of these have a lot of subtle background and cultural differences that are really hard to, to say that this is a word in Swedish. Um, so, uh, yeah, but the problem, I, I think the big, biggest problem I've had with it, and I think probably most computational uh, uh, people have, is, is it's, you, it's just a website. You have to crawl it. It's, I mean, sorry, I think, I think I've had this like, problem on Wikipedia even, yeah. where you go to a country and then there is a very... Um, uh, very regimented set of um, links, uh, you know, sublinks within that page on tourism, on economy, mm-hmm. on climate. And yeah, you go to a different country, maybe on Wikipedia, and it's got a completely different set right. of links. Or a movie has, you know, the cast on one article and you know something else on another article. There's just a lack of coherence between two articles. And I feel like the Wiktionary has that. It seems like it's it's worse when I've when I've used Wiktionary. Um, right. Definitely there's weird coherent stuff. And then it, it is just a big freeform text area. Hmm. And people are supposed to follow a format. <laughs> right. And they do not. Um, one of the things I learned at Wikipedia, even with, Wik- uh, sorry, with Wikipedia, uh, was that even parsing and understanding wiki text in the encyclopedia itself, just in its home turf of the encyclopedia is extremely difficult yeah. mm-hmm. uh wiki text which is the what you write when you're editing a wikipedia article um it is not it is not a, a formalized language in any sense and has never been it is a set of kind of macros and scripts that run against some text uh brian viver being the author of most of this um and i love brian he's a good guy uh he he knows all the shortcomings himself more than almost anybody else because, uh, yeah, Wikitext is just, uh, like, the only thing that can possibly properly even work on Wikipedia to parse and understand it is Wikipedia itself with all of its content. You can't even yeah. look at an article, take its non-HTML, like the thing you see when you hit edit. Yeah. You can't take that and understand it without all this data because they call out to other info box and all these things mm-hmm. get generated and it's semi-structured and... The parser people use all sorts of crazy hacks and stuff, and it, it's funny when you t- when you have a kind of a limited technical tool and you bring a bunch of brilliant <laughs> people in who know how to kind of hack it, mm-hmm. it in a nice way, hack not bad hack. Um, they figure out these tricks mm-hmm. with quirks and how it works. So a lot of the articles on Wikipedia are exploiting. The editors will exploit <laughs> a kind of unintended behavior in wiki text uh, that only works in that installation. Um, and then basically we took that beautiful piece of software and then used that to build a structured dictionary. Yeah. Um, it is very unstructured. You cannot 
put it in a database yourself. Like it is very difficult. There was one BabelNet. Is that the one? BabelNet. Yeah. BabelNet seems to be a project that's trying to do that. Um, their focus seems to be across languages. So they're using the the fact that the editors of Wiktionary. It's pretty easy to see when they've linked to another language. So yeah, uh, <laughs> that that one's straightforward. Um, but yeah, uh, can you answer a, a puzzle for, for me? <laughs> yes. So why does every online dictionary, what is the first thing they do? Putting on fucking images of the words? Um, why? That seems to be, in my critical eye, of online dictionaries. When you're, you're launching your own online dictionary, seems to me step one is put in a Google image search or of some <laughs> so, sort. Okay. The fundamental... The fundamental thing, one of the one of the one of the ways that digital dictionaries are impoverished compared mm. to paper dictionaries. You open up any paper dictionary, you have a two-page spread with, you know, more than more than a kilobyte of text mm. in front of you, for the most part. I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Some many oh, bytes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and so there's you know like and your field of vision can be filled with information. It, with a with a digital dictionary, you've already looked up a headword. And so, so you look up the head word. Hampton keeps using sushi for his example search, and and sushi. I have has... done that for years, by the way. <laughs> there is no application I've ever built where the word sushi isn't the first thing that comes up. Okay. Um, and so true. And so you and sushi has one sense in most dictionaries, and so there's just so there's a, there's a sentence you can say about sushi, mm. and you have you know you have you know a, a billion pixels available to shit not a billion to show. <laughs> to show information about this word, but all you've got is a sentence. <laughs> right, but it's, yeah. it, it seems so lazy to me. The, Do you think it's useful? There are ways in which it's useful for sure. I, there, I saw a paper at um, the Association for Computational Linguistics recently where someone did a search for, just did, did image searches for words. Mm -hmm. And then compared the visual similarity of the images that were returned. Okay. Yep. And some of those, some of those images, you know, was a screen full of very similar images, and some of them were very, were very diverse. And mm -hmm. you get a, you get a, you can get this, you can get a measure of the concreteness or abstractness of, of a hmm. term or concept from from looking at the images. Interesting. Um. And, in similar ways, I mean. Illustrations. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about dictionary illustrations is that they're they've often historically been line drawings or engravings because, mm -hmm. and even when photography became easy to print, an illustration is capable of calling out the specific things in a way that that, hmm. that a photograph doesn't. So you you might overfit to to an image that you've seen on, on, a, on a dictionary a photograph that you've seen in a dictionary thing where an illustration can show this this the the really salient characteristics of a thing. I certainly think for technical things, definitely like a gear, a certain type of gear, yeah. or you want to. I mean, I was like, thinking words of are mug versus cup um, again. Mm -hmm. and I feel like maybe mm -hmm. uh, shape-wise, the two are quite oh. distinct in my head. Right on your first episode, you talked about what are these glasses called? Coupe. Oh, these these are coupes. Oh, Nikonora oh. has a bit of a okay. Right, I think a coupe is more shallow than this. Maybe oh. yeah, there you go. Um, uh, so, so this is this is like halfway between a Nikonora and a coupe. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. So you know, you you mentioned that I googled it. I saw. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the drink that they serve. Um, 
Hmm. So it's funny, Basil.net, I just looked up Nick and Nora to see. Oh. Uh, it's a musical with a book by Arthur. It's apparently new wow. musical, that's so it. So that definition hasn't come up anywhere I've looked. So I had I had the Nick and Nora, the characters from Dishiel Hammett, I believe. <coughs> I had Nick and Nora, there's a, I think it's probably Michael Sarah. It has at least yeah, that aura well, Yeah, there's a movie. Right, about Infinite, Infinite Playlist. Playlist. There's the, 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 the glassware. And apparently it's also a musical... Uh, with music by people I've never heard of. No, so. I've heard of Richard Maltby. This is actually fascinating. Can hmm. we look up Richard Maltby? Because I'm sure I see his name on cryptic crosswords in the oh. US. Hmm. I think. Let's have a look who Richard Maltby is. He does. He's also one as a constructor of cryptic after. Oh, wow. He wrote the go. book for this musical and he's a. All right, you're going to get applause second time. Yeah, yeah. Right. Second time of the show. That's good knowledge. <laughs> that, so, just so the listeners are clear, I looked up the word Nick and Nora on Babelnet. Uh, it's a musical with the second person listed who did lyrics was Richard Mul- Maltby. Uh, Junior. Junior. Which Orion immediately recognized as also being the author of Cryptic Crosswords. For Harper's. For Harper's. <laughs> which I looked up and <laughs> Wikipedia confirms that he is both a theater director, producer, lyricist, and screenwriter, and makes crosswords. It was the same <laughs> have you, have you done that crosswords in the UK at all when you were there? Um, I mean, I. Because I, I used to do crosswords in the UK a lot, and then coming to the US and doing crosswords was really strange. So crosswords in oh, the UK, terrible. crosswords in the UK yeah. are very much uh, one word only, and it doesn't tend to be. I don't know, there tend to be a lot of the the black squares in crosswords in the UK. Mm-hmm. So you only have usually every other letter in a crossword is um, crossed by a different mm-hmm. word. Uh, whereas in the US, you have multiple words, answers, or solutions. Plus, um, there are very few blank squares. And I find that I f- every time I switch countries, I find it very disorienting, and I, I have to. Uh, I am shit at crosswords. Yeah. You are super good at that. I'm okay. I have never finished a cryptic crossword. They're tough. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So we call. I mean, we don't. We don't even call them by the same name, right? Mm. I mean, because because yeah, American crosswords are. Uh, a year, about two years ago, I said I was. You doing crosswords in my spare time, and I and I thought this is interesting. This is fun. Hmm. This is me thinking about meaning and mapping yeah. out things. And and then I thought this is wasted cognitive effort. I need to make you. You were talking about games. Um, they were talking about, about make games to make word set sort of to to cull data for word set mm-hmm. through through asking you know for getting people to do things that are fun. And one of the things that I think is that crosswords, um, Sudoku, and like all those mm-hmm. kind of like daily puzzles. Get your brain to do really hard work mm-hmm. on a piece of newsprint that you throw in the trash, or you know. Or, yeah, 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 it's true. And and you could just as well be framing interesting, challenging questions of meaning in a way that that actually builds a, a stronger knowledge base of things about how stuff about hmm. how stuff That's works. Interesting. And, works. Um, and and so one of you know so interesting games with words and meaning that actually can sort of be crowdsourcing for stuff uh well definitely i find so intelligent people uh have several characteristics (laughs) about them okay well one of them is they're kind of anxious and depressed 100 percent. i don't know if you've made Mm -hmm. it to this part of this podcast 
you are probably anxious and depressed. Please message me if welcome. you're not. Yeah, welcome. You're with friends. Uh, it just happens. Sorry, you're smart. Um, uh, two, it's really hard not to keep your brain working. Like, you need to have your brain working on something, and it's typically calming to do hard work with your brain. Like, if your brain is not processing data, the anxiety is higher, it's not calming. To put something in the hopper for it to work on, I'm using a farm metaphor now, <laughs> clear. To put something in the hopper, I'm, I'm, I'm a very uh, salt rural, of salt of the earth kind of person. Yeah. So when you put something in the hopper, the system works a little better. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a garbage disposal. If you just run it without water, you'll yeah. burn it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. So that's like a smart person. Yeah. Um, no, and that's where like crossword puzzles, they're doing all this work. You know, the whole job of a person running a crossword puzzle is, yes, to come up with a word game that will take billions of neurological cycles. <laughs> I mean, not even bill. Sorry, we need to go, well, per person, right. per second, um, in order to pull off. And all that work is kind of, yeah, as you said, thrown away onto a right. piece of paper into the trash. Um, where that's where I feel like there's so much room for games. I mean, quote unquote games. I, I feel like it's a weird phrase, right? Uh, games kind of almost intones that it's useless. Mm. Um, but we're, I feel like there are a lot of very intelligent people who I was gonna say, very what, willingly. What's, what's do the work. definition of a game then? <laughs> does it imply uselessness? Um, I think traditionally it does. Right. Don't play games with me, as something you'd say in a relationship, uh, in order but to. That's no uselessness. That's no, but you're saying you're saying you're wasting my time it's, if you're playing I mean, games. You're yeah, playing, playing games is an indirect method to attain whatever kind of trust you're trying to build, right? Hmm. It's I hmm. mean, you, like you're you're trying to build trust indirectly if you're playing games in a relationship where you need. It's true. It's true. Hmm. Um, yeah. Let's all think about that. It's, all, it's yeah, again, yeah. again, it's it's inefficient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, this reminds me of all the all the games, uh, quote unquote, that have come out recently in science with folding proteins or figuring out oh, right. neural maps. Um, that's definitely a popular thing that's happening a lot. Um, Protein folding stuff is fun. I, I do, once. yeah. It's it's funny. So I I did my undergrad in biochemistry and learning about protein folding and how difficult it is to compute, and then hearing about these games that come out and. Um, and using people's, you know, um, well, so the one yeah. of the protein folding games works. That <clears throat> imagine you have this, like you see a folded protein. It kind of looks the way you'd see in like Jurassic Park or something. Um, <laughs> it's all knotted up, and then there's like a loose end to it. And your job is to kind of fold that in and make it stick. Kind of like it kind of sticks against the rest of the protein mm -hmm. so a computer because mathematics are limited uh they have to try every possibility mm -hmm. so in the 3d universe the number of ways that a particular like imagine a string if you threw it on the ground the number of ways it could land are infinite or nearly that so a, a computer is just having to go crazy trying every option because it can't natively just look at the protein and say, well, if it's going to land, it's going to kind of <laughs> land this way. Right. Like, mm -hmm. Computers are not 
at this point with protein folding, you're not able to do that. Hmm. So it's funny. All you do is grab the end with your mouse and then kind of try to make it stick. <laughs> it's almost like a little arc you make. But it's so funny. The data in that arc, like in a way, the data in that arc that you're making by kind of manipulating this to try to stick against the protein, you're trying options that are so much more logical than what a computer would have to try. Because they'd have to try directions that a human would not even look at. Because you'd say, well, because it's 3D. So you're like, well, it's not going to stick over here. This whole thing's yeah. rounded off. There's nothing there. There's yeah. nothing that's going to stick to it. I'm giving up. Yeah. Uh, a computer cannot make that determination at this point. So that's where these games really come in. It's funny. It's, it's almost the dumbest thing. It's our native understanding <laughs> of 3D that, you know, you're, you're not going to... The tape won't work from the wrong yeah. side. You can't, like... <laughs> this, like, like, native understanding thing reminds me of... Was it the New York? No, it wasn't the New Yorker. The New Yorker did a parody piece on this, but it was a study where you clicked where you were from in the US and then said, do you call it soda or pop? Mm. Do you call it a jack-o'-lantern or... I don't, sorry, I don't even know what another term is. Pumpkin. Pumpkin. Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess you could. But like all the different ways. Yeah. And then there was almost a, you know, a nice little map that you could look at mm -hmm. for... Um, I think in the north northeast of uh, Jack Lanterns and old Jimmy John. Yeah, I think that's that. Cool. No, that was I, the New Yorker piece what? that was just making fun <laughs> made of. Up things. Okay. Just yeah, made up things. Um, it's now an Urban Dictionary though. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you could use it, I guess, pretty easily to do regional differences on what's that as well. Like coming up with a game to say mm -hmm. where where do you identify where you're from or your. Well, that's, I mean, so a big issue we've been dealing with with WordSet is we're trying to figure, so Michael's British, and you primarily use British English. Mm -hmm. uh, I use some weird Canadian-American hybrid when I write. I used to, I'm an American, but I used to live in Canada, so kind of, through, and then I lived in England, so I'm even more like, I kind of, I'm vaguely not quite Canadian in my spelling. Um, and, and so, you know, we don't, the two of us, don't want to make an American English dictionary straight out. Just every spelling is perfectly American English. Um, we've been having a lot of interesting uh, hmm. fun diagramming sessions on, because uh, that's what you do when you're doing technical stuff, hmm. trying to figure out how to express things that are uh, just regional spelling differences versus different meanings that are regional or dialectal. Do they count as, what's the difference between regional spelling and dialects? I'm just gonna stare at you now. I mean, because Wikipedia has a really shit answer on this. Um, I feel like I might have a shit answer as well. But, oh, but, I, but I mean, well, you know, their language communities are not always regionally bound, right? I mean, there's there's mm. there's a dialect that there's like a dialect corresponds to a language community, and a and a region com, can corresponds to the people who live in a region. So, mm. I mean, there's there's a lot of overlap between those two things, but. You know, I if you have, but if, if you have Yiddish speakers in LA and Yiddish speakers in in New York, they will have differences, but also a lot of similarities. And there's, you know, yeah, like, like yeah. there's hmm. region is not the only determiner. Of well, I guess we're not. I mean, so we're not trying to necessarily cover regional in like within yeah. the U.S., like Northeast versus South. Mm -hmm. I think what we want to make sure to cover has been like. <clears throat> different meanings between different countries yeah primarily Agents. and then we feel bad because we're like this is stuff where we're like all right well okay the u.s i have a lot of canadian friends we have to have canada in there obviously the uk 
is there. And then we're like, and Australia's got kind of a weird mix of British and Canadian in a way. And then, and then I'm like, do we include New Zealand? Right. I'm like, Um, oh, I'm so sorry, New Zealand. I don't know what your spelling differences are from Australian, but (laughs) yeah. Wait, does 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 Australian do the U in color? Yes. Yes. So so does Canada. Yeah. Um, So the funny thing I learned was that the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, says IZ or IZ for um, you know the realize realize one with a Z and one with an S, um, which I find very strange. And I yeah I think I don't know if Canada does does Canada do the Z or the that's it's kind of yes. Oh, they'll, wait, they'll do a mix though. Uh, okay. They'll totally use a Z. Australia is kind of in flux. L- yeah. Let's just be clear. Z. <laughs> right, Z. Wait, but Canada <laughs> says Z. Right? They say Z. Right. Which I was Latin. in a math math course in Toronto. Oh, maths course? No, they say math. They don't say <laughs> <Okay>. math. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, sorry. That's one of my favorite linguistic things is that, yeah, in the US we say a math class. In the UK, it's a maths course, but you pluralize it. Mm-hmm. And then in the US, we say sports, mm-hmm. and they say sport. Yeah. So we love to switch the random pluralization for no good reason. Once uh, at, at at the office in in Oxford, there was a door in in a hallway labeled stationery store. Was it spelled incorrectly? <laughs> no. Okay. Like I, I mean, I knew, I knew it was, I knew it was station. I knew there okay. was, I knew it was stationery. But for me, a stationery store is a store where you buy stationery. Yeah. Where in the in the UK, oh, like a stationery store, oh, it's just like a, a closet where you right, store right, stationery. Right. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> stationery storage. We yeah. would say in American English. Yeah. <laughs> stationery store. You're like. That's it. When is this store open? <laughs> That's funny. all the time. Open the door and grab stuff. That kind of difference in. You know storage versus store like how do you prioritize that mm-hmm. in a dictionary do you say you know do you rely on upvotes or likes <laughs> or whatever or do you say you know store is um a place where you store something i'm just gonna throw that one out there or is it you know where you buy stuff which is not the correct uh... yeah right oh yeah oh yeah also also oh there was a there was a store there's a store in oxford called posh frocks which is basically, yeah. which is basically fancy dresses, yeah. 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 but fancy dresses obviously. Oh, fancy dresses com- has no over, over yeah. correspondence to posh frocks. That confused Hampton a lot. So fancy dress in the UK means uh, like costume Customs, party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, a fancy dress party sorry, is a costume yeah, in party. The US fancy dress in the UK means um, costume party, and I guess yeah. The, the first US, time we got invited to a fancy dress party, I was like, I'll wear a tux. Right, you need to. <laughs> They're like, no, I'm going as a clown. Right. I mean, I guess in Oxford or Cambridge, you have to be careful with fancy dress because it can very easily mean black tie or white tie or whatever. Is that also called fancy dress? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, you expect oh, right, it to be right. yeah, formal, yeah, yeah. therefore, um, you need to be on the lookout. Yeah. Anyway. So um, we solved linguistics? I think we have. I mentioned yeah. Or lexography. One more. Lex- so what are your, what do you, what do you, this is a topic, lexo- computational lexography has been your thing for a while mm-hmm. um what's next what's the big like what do you what do you see what, like what do you what's your opinion because like you did word nick you felt like you, you didn't stay and that project's mm-hmm. becoming a non-profit now which is awesome it's i uh, think it but, could be really great yeah. yeah so like but what what's what's needed where's the 
I think that um, I think that existing lexical resources are are all based on dictionaries that are made for either for native speakers or for learners, and neither. Mm. You know, I mean, I I have a kind of hobby horse about about abstract meaning descriptions that are not culturally bound. Um, okay. And I think I, explain that one. Help, help me uh, not I don't mean why should I, why did I say abstract I mean I mean ways of ways of defining things that are that are as independent of other concepts of other sort of, of common sense as possible mm. um, I you know I think on the one hand across cultures of humans it's really useful to get down to the core of what something means without introduce, without without introducing too many other cultural concepts and then when it comes down to helping machines understand language the machine you know, it's a, it's a, we're a long way from having machines have culture, and so there's a lot of interesting, there's a lot of cool stuff with with distributional semantics across across big collections of text or or, or corpora. You know, spoken versus. But I feel like uh, sorry, if, if you try to make a dictionary, I'm not going to use lexical resource. Uh, you can <laughs> stick with that. I'm just using word dictionary to be mm-hmm. broad. Um, one that makes sense to a computer, to an English learner, and to a person who understands English, mm-hmm. I feel like it's impossible. It's like trying to create that language that's the, what's the logic, there's uh, logica? Logica, yeah, Lodgebine. yeah. The language which is strictly yeah. uh, c- uh, logically correct. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> if I remember, uh, what was the, what's the book on that? Already Erica Okun's book. Um, yeah, uh, um, there's um, a great book about uh, made-up languages, yeah. uh, and uh, no, the, in that language, in order to be correct, uh, only two or three people have ever really publicly had a conversation in the language <laughs> because it requires so much knowledge mm-hmm. in order to have a simple discussion mm-hmm. uh, because it only works in the concrete and the disambiguous. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the goal of being open to all those, sorry, being able to, to be specific, complete enough for a native speaker, good for a learner, and a computer will also understand it seems like a fool's errand. Yes, certainly. All I mean, right, well, congratulations just, <laughs> on your chosen I mean, career. You know, so, like, even if you say computational lexicography, right, there's, I mean, there are two ways to interpret that. And, yeah. the, and the ambiguity in the phrase of computational lexicography is is inherent to how noun phrases are constructed and how language works. So, I mean, com- computational lexicography can be the compilation of dictionaries for computers to understand machine-readable dictionaries, but it can also just be using computers to help you make dictionaries for other humans to understand. And and those and those tasks are, are largely, you know, disjunctive. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's yeah no it's definitely a fool there. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why I'm. Like I mean, I'm kind of moving back into research mode and not trying to, like, not trying to make any useful tools right now. I think I think it's I think it's important. There's been a lot of a lot some interesting stuff recently on Slate and um, places about the oh okay 57 seconds. Well, <laughs> future of the dictionary. I think it's a rethinking of oh no we're over time. I see. No no we have 50, okay. 50 yeah. seconds left. It's a negative number. Getting okay. It's kind of yeah. Bad. Rethinking what the purpose of the dictionary is, I think, is is mm-hmm. still an open question. And yeah. recapitulating print lexical resources in a place in an environment where you inva- interact with text in all kinds of novel ways now, I think, is 
is an open question. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of interesting yeah. stuff that can be done and just rethinking how the tool works. Yeah. 24 seconds. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for chatting. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've we've solved it. Yep. Now. Yeah. It's done. Obviously, it's we're all working in the right directions. And... Ship it. That's what I say. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next episode.